Almighty God, thank you, Father, for allowing us to see another day on this good earth. Thank you for your glory, your majesty, for all that you've created to demonstrate your power. We pray, Father, that you will bless us in this study as we continue to learn about Jesus Christ, your son, as we continue to consider the different places that he went to when he was on this earth and the wonderful work he did in those places. We're thankful for Jesus and how he is the ultimate fulfillment of your scheme of redemption. Bless us, Father, to always strive to look to him for wisdom and guidance and, most importantly, salvation. Bless us, Father, in this study. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible with you, please take it out and go over into your New Testament to the Gospel of John. In this video, we're going to do our third lesson in our series of lessons that we're doing for the next few weeks entitled Jesus Walks. We're looking at some of the specific places that Jesus went to when he was here on this earth. We're noticing how these are real places where real people lived and how Jesus did real work there. In John chapter 7 and in verse number 37, we read about an incident in the life of Jesus. And it says that on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. For this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This is certainly the prophet. Others were saying, This is the Christ. So others were saying, Surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers of Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears him and knows what he is doing, does he? They answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. Everyone went to his home. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus the Christ? What is the truth about his identity? Who is this person that has impacted human history in more ways than any other person? Believe it or not, my dear friends, but most people in our society or culture today do not know the right answers to those questions. Believe it or not, but most people in our culture are totally confused 
about the identity of Jesus. In fact, not only is that true in our culture today, but notice how it was also true 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on the earth. I mean, didn't you notice that? Didn't you see that in the verses we just read? Going back to the verses we just read from, notice how here in John chapter 7, we find the Lord Jesus standing before a crowd of, of Jews and, and teaching the truth. He's teaching the words of eternal life, specifically here in this chapter. He's teaching these people about his identity. He's teaching them about how he is the source of eternal life. He says that when they, they drunk of him, they were drinking from a source of living water. Living water. When the Lord mentions living water here, brothers and sisters, please understand that he's using that language figuratively. He's using that language to talk about how he is the source of eternal life. He is teaching these people how he is the source of spiritual blessing. And when they drunk of him in a spiritual sense, they would live forever. Here the Lord is talking about being the source of everlasting life. And it's interesting how after preaching that powerful lesson, a lot of the people on this occasion, they, they were very confused. They were very confused about his words, particularly they were confused about his identity. They asked questions like, who is this guy? Who, who is this guy claiming to be the source of living water? Some of the people said, well, he is certainly the prophet. He is the prophet that Moses spoke of in, in the book of Deuteronomy. Others said he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that the prophet spoke of. In the scriptures, and then others said he can't be the Christ. He can't be the Messiah because he came from Galilee. And doesn't the scripture say that the Messiah was going to come from the same town as King David? Doesn't the scriptures tell us that the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem? This man cannot be the Christ because he came from Galilee. And the scripture says that the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. You see, here you have a lot of confusion concerning where Jesus came from. A lot of people want to believe in him as the Messiah, but they're not sure where he came from. They're saying that since he did come from Galilee, since he was raised in Nazareth, as we talked about in our last study, that he can't be the Messiah. He can't be the Messiah if he comes from Nazareth or Galilee because the scripture says that the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. The scripture says that the Messiah was going to be a descendant of King David and he was going to come from the same area of David. He was going to come from Bethlehem. That's what they're concluding. The question is, are they right? Are they right? Did Jesus merely come from Galilee and had no ties to Bethlehem? I mean, was he a fake Messiah because he did not fulfill the words 
of the prophets? Is our faith in vain because Jesus did not come from the same city as David? In this particular video, I want to talk with you about that. In this video, I want to talk with you. I want to talk with you about Bethlehem. I want to talk with you about Bethlehem. I want to show you some pictures and give you some information and some facts that I learned about Bethlehem when I was blessed to travel there a few years ago. I also want to highlight some of the things the Bible says about Bethlehem and show you exactly what kind of ties that Jesus had to this area. I want to talk with you about Bethlehem and show you some of the things I saw when I went to Bethlehem a few years ago. And let's just begin with this. Let's just begin with the geography of Bethlehem. Remember, one of the purposes of these studies is to really highlight what the scripture says about the geography that is given in the Bible. Particularly, we want to look at the geography that the scriptures reveal to us pertaining to the places that Jesus did most of his work when he was on this earth. Bethlehem. You see, Bethlehem is a small town. That is only about six miles southwest of the city of Jerusalem. The reason we're referring to Jerusalem here, and we're looking at Bethlehem's location in comparison to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is the most important city in Israel. It's the most important city in Israel today. It was certainly the most important city in the land 2,000 years ago in the time of Jesus. Jerusalem was where the temple was located. Jerusalem was where the priests did their work. Jerusalem was where the people took their sacrifices so they could get forgiveness for sins. Jerusalem is the most important city in the land of Israel, and Bethlehem is six miles southwest of Jerusalem, as you see on the map, and Bethlehem is also a highly elevated city. Like Jerusalem, it is highly elevated. It is actually 2,300 feet above sea level, but unlike the previous cities we've studied so far, unlike cities like Capernaum, remember Capernaum was where Jesus took up residence, unlike Capernaum and unlike Nazareth where the Lord was born, we need to understand that Bethlehem is actually mentioned in the Old Testament quite a bit. It is actually mentioned in the Old Testament over and over again. For example, in the Old Testament, we learn that, that Rachel, one of Jacob's wives, remember, she was actually Jacob's favorite wife. He was married to Leah and Rachel. Rachel, when she died, she was buried in Bethlehem. One of the judges, Ibzan, the Bible says that he was from Bethlehem. We learn about that in Judges chapter 12. You go over to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and there you learn that, that David, the man who would become the great King David, David was from, from Bethlehem. Then over in the book of Micah, in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, Micah predicted how the Messiah, the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. The Jews were right when they said the scriptures tell us that the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. Bethlehem is mentioned quite a bit in the Old Testament. It was a very important city in the times of the Old Testament, and we need to understand that it is also a very important city in Israel today. 
These are some actual pictures that I was able to take while in Bethlehem five years ago, almost five years ago. As you can see, there's a, a lot of action going on in Bethlehem even to this day. In fact, there are about 25,000 people who live in Bethlehem. Now remember Nazareth, we, I talked about Nazareth in the last video, and Nazareth had 75,000 people who lived in it. It is much bigger, maybe even 10 times bigger today than it was in the time of Jesus. It is a very large city, and Bethlehem is, is three times smaller, but it still has a good bit of people. There are 25,000 people who live in Bethlehem today. And even though there, it is in the land of Israel, uh, it is in a, in, a, in a place where you don't have a lot of even English-speaking folks. We need to understand that there is a lot of Western culture. There's a lot of Western culture all around Bethlehem. As you see here on the pictures, I was able to find another KFC. Saw one in Nazareth. There's one also in Bethlehem. There's a McDonald's there. There's a Pizza Hut. And see if you notice what's interesting about the picture at the bottom. You may think when you see that initially, that is a Starbucks coffee. But notice how it says Star and Bucks coffee. So it's a ripoff of Starbucks. It's not actually Starbucks. It's a ripoff. It's a cheap imitation, but I guess it's close enough if you live in Bethlehem. Star and Bucks coffee. So there's a lot of Western culture all over Bethlehem, but probably the most interesting thing about this town is there in Bethlehem, you have the Church of the Nativity. You ever heard of the Church of the, of the Nativity? The Church of the Nativity is a very significant church, not just in Israel, but in the world today. It is significant because it is said to be built over a series of caves believed to be the actual site of Jesus' birth. Now, what is there today, and this is a picture of us going into the church, what is there today is actually the product of what was built in the 6th century by a man named Justinian I. Justinian I actually rebuilt this church. He rebuilt this church in the 6th century. The first church of the Nativity was built by Helena in the 4th century, but it was destroyed by fire. And so what is actually there today is the product of the work of Justinian I. He rebuilt the church after it was destroyed by fire in the 4th century. Now, this church, this church is one of the most famous churches in all the world. It is predominantly a Greek Orthodox church, but it does have a Roman Catholic chapel. In fact, we were actually able to see a service in session when we visited the church. Now, what makes this church so famous it's not just because it is built on top of the alleged site of Jesus' actual birth. 
But it's also famous because in the fourth century, a man by the name of Jerome lived in a cave underneath the church and he translated the Bible into Latin. You may have heard of this translation. It is called the Vulgate. The Vulgate was made. The Bible was translated into Latin in a cave under this church by a man named Jerome. And so that's one of the key things that makes this church so famous. Now, before we go any further, let me just say this. Before someone gets their, or people get their blood pressure up, let me be clear that we do not know the exact location of Jesus' birth. We do not know that. This all comes from what people believe. But we don't know 100% exactly where Jesus was born. What we do know, according to what the Bible says, is Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He may not have been born in that exact location where this church has been built, but the Bible says he was born in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. In the Bible, Herod is also called Herod the Great. He is called Herod the Great, not because he was a great man, because he certainly was not. He was a very evil and moral and wicked man. He's called Herod the Great, not because he was a good man or even a good king. Instead, he's called Herod the Great because he was a great builder. He was an extraordinary builder. He, he, he rebuilt uh, the temple, reconstructed the temple that was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. That was a glorious structure. He rebuilt a, or he built a, a famous port that Paul sailed from. According to what we find in the book of Acts, there are several things in Israel to this day that are still standing that were built by Herod the Great. Herod the Great was a great builder. He was someone who built some things that are still there. They have stood the test of time and Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the time of Herod the Great. We know that because the Bible tells us, and we also know that this took place by the providence of God. You can read about this in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, make sure you get a copy of the outline because I have several scriptures in the outline for you to consider for your further study. But in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, we learn that during a time when a census was being taken for the purpose of taxation throughout the Roman Empire, every person in the empire was required to go to the city of their ancestors and register. Every person was required to return to the city of their ancestry and register for the census. And since Mary and Joseph, remember, Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born of, of Mary by the power of God. She was a virgin. And since she and her husband Joseph were living in Nazareth in Galilee at the time, and since Joseph was a descendant of David, and since he was from the area of David, he was from Bethlehem, that required Joseph to, to return to Bethlehem. Even though he's living in Nazareth, even though he's living in, in, in Galilee, 
He's required to go to Bethlehem. That's where his ancestry is from. And so Joseph, being the good man that he is, he abides by the law of the land. He makes his way with Mary to Bethlehem to register for the census. But on the way, Mary, who has been pregnant, who is pregnant by the power of God, she's pregnant with the Son of God on the way, since so she's toward the end of her days of being pregnant, it starts becoming time for her to have the Son of God. As they travel to Bethlehem, Mary is pregnant and is towards the end of her time of pregnancy, but since there is no room for them to stay at an inn, at a local inn, because the inns are all full to capacity, they're forced to find some shelter in a stable. They're forced to find shelter in a stable in Bethlehem, and during that time, guess what happens? Jesus is born. Jesus is born in a stable in Bethlehem, and he's placed in a manger. The King of kings and Lord of lords is placed in a feeding trough for animals. But by the providence of God, by the providence of God, the words of Micah in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 come to pass. Even though Mary and Joseph are living in Galilee, by the providence of God, God works it out through natural means for them to wind up in Bethlehem. And Jesus is born in Bethlehem. He's born in the same town that David was from, and that means the words of the prophet came to pass. Jesus is born in Bethlehem, just like the scripture said. It, like the scripture said was going to happen 700 years prior. In fact, while he was in Bethlehem, the Bible also tells us that Magi, Magi from the east, came out to visit him. We learn about that also in Matthew chapter 2. Now, these Magi, were probably Gentile men. These are Gentiles. That shows us that even Gentiles during this time were eagerly anticipating the coming of a Messiah. Even Gentiles at this time were familiar with the writings of the prophets and how the prophets foretold a day when a Messiah would come into the world and, and he would offer salvation to all men. These Magi were, were probably Gentile and they came from the east to Bethlehem to worship Jesus and to bring expensive gifts. In fact, when you consider the timeline that is given to us in the Bible very carefully, you will see that by the time they arrived to worship Jesus and bring expensive gifts, Jesus is probably about two years old. He is probably a toddler. He's not a little bitty baby. He's probably at least two years old by the time they finally get there. So what, what I just want you to see is the Bible does mention Bethlehem quite often. The Bible talks about Bethlehem in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It is mentioned over and over again, but of all the things that we could say about it, the most important thing is, is that Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus the Messiah, he was born in this, in this town. We may not know the exact area or the exact place in Bethlehem where he was born, 
but we do know it, it was somewhere there. It was somewhere in Bethlehem where God in the flesh came into the world. That's what the Bible says. And so that's the most important thing to know about Bethlehem. That's the most important thing to consider about Bethlehem. That's, that alone makes this study we've been engaging in worthy of our time because our Savior, he was born in Bethlehem. The question, though, is this. The question is, what should we take away from all of this information? We, we've considered some, some, some things about Bethlehem, but what should we take away from this? What can we learn from this that can strengthen our faith and even help us as we try to experience the fullness of Christ, which is our theme this year as a church at Monte Vista. Well, let me give you a couple of things to think about, okay? First, I want to suggest to you that one of the things we really need to take away from what the Bible tells us about Jesus and Bethlehem is, number one, we need to understand that Jesus' birth, his birth was special. It was special, it was unique. In fact, it is the most special and unique birth in the history of the world. It is the most special and unique birth in the history of the world because, number one, the Bible says that Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin. That means he was born through supernatural means. He was born without the natural means of the process of a woman and a man coming together in a sexual relationship. He was born without the means of an earthly father and an earthly mother. He was born by the power of God. In fact, he's the only person in the history of the world that that can be accurately said of. Jesus was born of a virgin. Let me tell you something. We may have, as Christians... We may have a lot of differences among us. We may have different backgrounds. We may be different nationalities, different races. We may have different economic status and educational status. We may be from different areas in this country. There are a lot of differences among us as Christians and even as human beings. But one thing we all have in common whether we are Christians or not, if we're just human beings, one of the things we all have in common is we all came into the world the same way. I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, purple, pink, or green. If you are a human being, if you're just a creature on this earth, you came into the world through the means of a father and a mother coming together in a sexual relationship. I came into the world through a man and a woman. You came into the world through the sexual reproduction between a man and a woman. That is true of every human being and the history of the world except one person. And that is Jesus Christ. Unlike me and you, Jesus did not come into the world through natural means. Instead, he came into the world through supernatural means. He came into the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. He came into the world through the direct intervention of God. Mary was a virgin. She had never been with a man, and yet she brought the Son of God into the world by the power of heaven. Jesus' birth is special because he's the only person in the history of the world 
born of a virgin. And his birth is also special because, as the slide says, his birth actually impacts our time. Think about that. Think about how we even calculate time today. It's either B.C. or it's A.D. B.C. or A.D. What does B.C. stand for? Well, B.C. stands for before Christ. 400 B.C., 400 years before Christ. 1,000 B.C., 1,000 years before Christ. B.C. stands before Christ. That's how we date time. A.D. doesn't stand for after death, as some may think. Instead, A.D. comes from the Latin term Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. In other words, all of time is based around the birth of Jesus. Either it's before his birth or it's after his birth. And so we are in the year 2020. 2020. 2020 from what? 2020 years from the birth of Jesus. All of time is built around the birth of Jesus. That's how much of an impact his birth has had on the human race. It impacts how we calculate and view time. And it's also special because it was foretold hundreds of years in advance. I'm going back to Micah again, and Micah the fifth chapter, and I want to show you something interesting in Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. In Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2, Micah said this 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, but as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. That's a very important word there. That word Ephrathah means fruitful. It is a word that Micah is using to distinguish this Bethlehem from another Bethlehem in Israel at this time. You see, there were two Bethlehems in Israel. There was one in Judah, and there was also one in the land of Zebulon. And so the one, the one Micah is referring to is the one that was in the fruitful land of Judah. It was Bethlehem Ephrathah, not the Bethlehem in Zebulon, but the Bethlehem in Judah. He's being very specific here. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you will go forth from me to, for, for me one to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Notice how Micah is predicting 700 years in advance how the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem Ephrathah. He was going to come from Bethlehem and the land of Judah. One from eternity was going to come into the world to be a ruler over all things. This was predicted hundreds of years in advance. In fact, not only was the, the, the area or the town predicted hundreds of years in advance, but so was the family the Messiah would come through. He would come through the family of, of David. And also, so was his Mirac the miraculous nature of his birth. That was also predicted hundreds of years in advance. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, Isaiah said that the Messiah was going to be born of a virgin. And in Matthew chapter 2, or Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 25, Matthew says that with Jesus, that is exactly what happened. And so the birth of Jesus was special because he was born of a virgin. His birth impacts time, 
and his birth was also foretold hundreds of years in advance. The city, the family, the miraculous nature of it, it all was foretold hundreds of years in advance through the prophets. And so always remember that the birth of your Savior, it is special. Keep that in the forefront of your mind. Don't just think, start thinking about that around the holiday season. Think about it every day. Understand that Jesus could not have died on the cross in the first place if he did not first come into the world through the means by which the prophets foretold. And so Jesus' birth was special. But then a final lesson I want to give you is this. A final lesson that we need to appreciate about the birth of Jesus and his ties to Bethlehem is when seeking the truth, when seeking the truth, make sure you get all the facts. Don't just get some of the facts, but get all the facts. I want you to go back to John chapter 7. Go back to John chapter 7, and let's just end the way we started with this text in John 7. This is a very interesting text. Remember back in John chapter 7, we found Jesus teaching people, teaching Jews about how he was the source of living water. He's the source of eternal life. He preaches this powerful sermon. And after doing that, a lot of people are confused about where he came from. A, a lot of people are, are saying, well, this man has to be the prophet. He has to be the Messiah. He has to be the Christ. But other people are saying, well, wait a minute now. He can't be that because we know where he came from. He came from Galilee. He came from Nazareth. And the scripture says that the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. He came from Nazareth. Micah said he's supposed to come from Bethlehem, and so he can't be the Messiah. That's what some of these Jews concluded in John chapter 7. And as we've learned over the last 30 minutes, they were totally wrong in what they were, in what they were suggesting. They were totally wrong in suggesting that Jesus had no ties to Bethlehem. He did have ties to Bethlehem, but these people here failed to see that, and they failed to see that because of two reasons. First, they failed to see that because for many of them, they didn't want to see it. They didn't want to know the truth about, about Jesus. I think we see that in verse number 52 of John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, in verse number 52, once the officers come back to the chief priests and the Pharisees to give a report of what they saw concerning Jesus, and once Nicodemus tries to stand up for Jesus, they say to him, you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. Do you see the problem with what they're saying in verse number 52? Notice how these men here are so determined to reject Jesus as the Messiah that they say something that's just a flat-out lie. It is a flat-out lie to say that in the Old Testament, we can't ever read about a prophet coming out of Galilee. There were many prophets in the Old Testament that came out of Galilee. Read about Jonah. Jonah came out of Galilee. Elijah came out of Galilee. Nahum, he came out of Galilee. Many of the prophets came out of Galilee according to what the scripture says. These men are so determined to reject Jesus 
that they're making up stuff. They're saying things that are not true. And the reason why they're doing that is because they weren't going to accept him no matter where he came from. It didn't matter if he came from Bethlehem. It didn't matter if they saw him do miracles, give sight to the blind, cast demons out of people. These men, some of these men were so determined to reject Jesus. They didn't matter what he did, where he came from, what he taught. They were going to reject him. They were not going to accept him because he was not the Messiah they wanted. And so that's one reason why some of these people failed to see the truth about where Jesus came from. But a second reason why some of these people failed to see where the truth about where Jesus came from and his ties to Bethlehem is because of a lack of careful investigation. Careful investigation. We live in a time where, where so many people are quick to draw conclusions about events without careful investigation. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree we live in a time where for so many people they are quick to, to make a judgment per, pertaining to an event without being patient and carefully gathering the facts? You know we live in a time like that, and, and that's also how the people were in the time of Jesus. You see, while it was true that Jesus was raised in Nazareth, they were right about that. Had they continued to investigate him and ask questions, even ask questions to him about his life and his experiences, they would have learned that while he was raised in Nazareth, he wasn't born in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. Like me, while I'm from Nacogdoches, Texas, while I was raised in Nacogdoches, Texas, if people talk to me and know more about my life, they will see that they shouldn't conclude that I was born in Nacogdoches, Texas. I was born in Galveston. I was born in Galveston, Texas, but I was raised in Nacogdoches, Texas. It's the same principle. While Jesus was not raised in Bethlehem, that didn't mean he didn't have any ties to Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. Just like the prophet said, the Messiah would be born. You see, sadly, on this occasion, a lot of people miss an opportunity to follow Jesus because they failed to get all the facts. They failed to gather all the facts about him. And sadly, there are a lot of people who continue to fail to miss opportunities to follow Jesus because they failed to get all the facts. They failed to get all the facts about his identity. They failed to get all the facts about his plan of salvation, particularly how Jesus also requires baptism for remission of sins in addition to belief and repentance. They failed to get the facts about worship that pleases him. They failed to get all the facts concerning his standard for morality. These people failed to follow Jesus on this occasion. They refused to follow him. Many of them refused to follow him. Because they failed to get all the facts. They failed to see that Jesus did fulfill what the prophet spoke. He did come from Bethlehem. Had they found that out, they would have had more evidence that he was the Messiah. Now that concludes our lesson about Bethlehem. We've studied Capernaum, we studied Nazareth, and we studied Bethlehem. In our next video, I want to just quickly break down some other cities that Jesus went to 
that are not mentioned as much as these cities that we've talked about so far, but they're very significant. I was actually able to go to those places. And so I want to show you some pictures from those places and rehearse with you some of the things the Bible says concerning the work of Jesus in those places. And so may God bless you. Thank you for studying with me over the last few minutes.